Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. I don't know what kind of culture you grew up in or what kind of is normal for you when it comes to reading scripture and discussing scripture. And I grew up in just a fantastic Bible reading family and just a really cool church. But for some reason, I kind of walked away with this um, hesitancy to ask questions like, I should already know the answer was kind of part of that. But I am rediscovering the joy of being curious about scripture and like asking questions and wondering why things are the way that they are. So curiosity is not a bad thing. And I've been applying this to the scripture in Matthew 4, where the devil tempted Jesus. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So if you get a little curious about this scripture and allow yourself to kind of just look at it for what's happening, the first thing that I'm curious about is Jesus being led by the spirit to be tempted. What's that all about right there? (laughs) Why would the, why would the Holy spirit lead the son of God into temptation? You know what I mean? And what does this tell me about God? I think one of the things it tells us about God is that he's willing to allow us to be in some difficult circumstances, maybe even allow difficult circumstances to see what we can handle kind of find out what we're made of. And that makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, we were vacationing in Lake Tahoe with our friends. This was a number of years ago. We lived in Phoenix at the time. And we were driving through Death Valley coming back. Mm -hmm. And I was really, really wrestling with just my own futile human efforts to try to take care of my sins. I mean, it may sound strange. I would was definitely a follower of Jesus at the time, but God was just showing me the ways in my heart that I was trying to pay off my sins, the pride in my heart. And I just felt overwhelmed by the weight of my sin. And like there was this sense of, hey, if you want to pay off your sins, you got to pay off the whole world's sins. Hmm. And for a moment, I just kind of felt the weight of the whole world's sins. I can't really explain it any better than that. But it was a death to my self-salvation efforts Mm -hmm. and experience that death in Death Valley. And as I drove out of Death Valley, I felt the Holy Spirit just whisper a word of promise to me Mm. of something that only he could do. And I think the desert for me has been a place of dying to self, dying to my own efforts, dying to thinking it's all on me. Do you think that that was, as you look back, because this is the kind of thing you can only know by looking back, that that God was pressing that into your heart at that time for a season that was coming, that you needed to know that truth for what was ahead? Well, he, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because the truth he spoke to me is that I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. And soon after that, we moved to West Michigan mm-hmm. where I, by chance, got a job as the morning host of Moody Radio. And so... Yeah, I do think it was preparing me, but it was also pushing the gospel deeper into my heart. Mm-hmm. And if the gospel's not deep in my heart and I, and I know that Jesus paid it all in my heart, then I'm going to waste my time trying to, to pay off my debt. I'm going to spend all my energy on that and not on what he wants me to do for him. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, as that story relates so well to this, that God will allow us to go through hard things, desert times, Death Valley times, to be able to know more, tr- to understand more deeply truth about who he is. And, to, and that prepares us for the next season. And the other thing that it shows me about Jesus is that he knows what it's like to be doing all the things and to still have the enemy come at you because he was, he had just been baptized. He had been fasting he was following after God with all he was. He wasn't hanging out with people where he didn't belong or whatever. And yet God put him in a really difficult circumstance. And I think that God just needed to know that Jesus was ready for what he was about to step into. So if you feel like the enemy is focused on destroying you, you know that that's what he does, A. But also my encouragement would be get into the word because that's how Jesus defeated the enemy. He used scripture. He used the word of God as a weapon to defeat him. So know the word and stand firm. But also if you feel like you're being pressed and you feel like you're being challenged right now and the enemy is coming at you, God just might be about to launch you into a season of powerful ministry. What dream has God put in your heart for the kingdom? I call it a God dream. A God dream is anything in your heart that will bring life to your world. And God dreams can be daunting because we have an enemy who opposes anything good we're moved to do. Just mark that down. The enemy will oppose it. We also struggle with our own humanness. I have selfish motives in my heart, and I can end up making a God dream all about me, Mm. all about my glory. I hate it when I do that, Mm -hmm. but I do it. And then we have to wrestle through what the world thinks. And I can end up struggling with, is this going to be approved by the world? Will it be big enough, impressive enough, applauded enough? Now I'm not having those exact thoughts, but that's essentially what I'm thinking. What's the world going to think? Yeah. I think that it's our human nature to, you know, we get this God dream and then we want to like take it and run with it (laughs) instead of recognizing that God's intention is to do life with us and be a part of every step of the way. It's not like, here's the dream. Now go little buddy, (laughs) go do your thing. It's no, here's the dream. And if you stay vitally connected to me, if you remain in me and I remain in you, then anything is possible. So let's walk this out together. But we have a tendency to want to like get excited about it and then go solo and just go run off with it. Yeah, doing it in our own strength or do it for our own glory. Right. And I think that's where the, you know, it becomes all about me instead of remembering the root of this thing came from the Lord. It's a God thing. It's not a Shauna thing. Right. All of this opposition to genuine God dreams. And yet at the end of the day, we're left with the dream and God's call to complete the work he's given us to do. Mm -hmm. The enemy wants us to give up. He's going to oppose it. He's probably opposing you right now if you've got a God dream. And then you see your impure motives, and you're tempted to give up. And you feel like it won't be good enough or impressive enough, or, you know, you're not qualified, and it tempts you to give up. If your God dream is being opposed... God, the giver of the dreams, wants to encourage you. Second Chronicles 28.20 Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, your God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work is finished. 
Yes, the enemy opposes you. Jesus defeated him. Claim the victory of your Redeemer. Say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Mm -hmm. And then your motives aren't completely pure. Ask Jesus to cleanse you. Mm -hmm. We can come to him. We need to come to him every day. I need every day cleansing in my heart. And last, the world may not think much of your dream, but who cares? It's not for the world's approval. Right. It's for the blessing of the world, but it's not for the world's approval. Yeah. It only matters what God thinks. And so at the end of Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, the letter to the Colossians, there's this one little verse, and I find it really interesting. Paul takes time to say, tell Archippus, don't know who this guy is, but Paul knows him and points him out. He says, tell Archippus, be sure to finish the work the Lord gave you. And I've always found encouragement in that because even though, you know, the enemy opposes me and I struggle with impure motives and I wonder what people are going to think of me, still the dream is pure and the dream is right. And Lord, the Lord has called me to do it. And so if this resonates with you, and, you know, you've got that God dream and you're resonating with this opposition and this struggle and all this stuff and you're just feeling like giving up. Listen to this. This is God's word to you. Be sure, and by the way, I'll give you the strength, be sure to finish the work the Lord gave you. We all have areas in our life where we're weak, where we're more, more likely to be tempted to sin against God. And it's different for each of us. We don't all have the same ones necessarily, but we all have things that pull us away from the Lord. But we have practices that we can engage in. There are things that we can do to strengthen us spiritually to be able to come up against that. In Matthew 4, the devil is tempting Jesus. And verse 4 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And there's a couple of things that stand out to me from just these couple of verses. And one is, you know, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Uh, Captain Obvious, like, yeah, he was hungry. If I go an entire day without eating food, I feel like, you know, my stomach's just like all oh, just yelling at me to mm -hmm. eat something and I feel like I'm going to die. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. So, yeah, he was physically weak and literally hungry. And Satan comes at him and tempts him by saying, why don't you just turn these stones into bread? Take care of that right there. You know, just get yourself what you need. But he doesn't. And he also comes at him for his, oh, here's why he doesn't. Because even though he was physically weak, he was spiritually strong. And part of that has to do with, you know, the practice of fasting made him spiritually weak, but it also made him spiritually strong so he could withstand that which was physically tempting. And it made him spiritually strong because he was forced to rely on his father mm -hmm. more than he was forced to, more than he was relying, you know, on food and drink. That's the purpose of fasting. It's to, every time we feel that hunger pain, yeah. to direct you know, our prayers toward God to, to help us, to give us more of his strength. Right. Yeah. Our physical body and what's going on there is a constant reminder of our need. And sometimes God. the fast is something we decide to do mm -hmm. or it's something God 
lets come into our life. You know, I think fasting and trials are very similar because fasting, you know, makes me aware of how much I need God, but so do my trials and troubles. So often I'll think when I go through a hard time, this is kind of like fasting. You know, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to do this. This goes against what my body wants and how I want to feel, but I have to learn to trust God in this. Yeah. And when I look at this scripture and then I try to apply it to my own life, the question that kind of surfaces is what are the practices that I need to be spiritually engaged in so that I can be spiritually strong when I'm physically weak? I know the areas where the enemy comes at me and tempts me to just go my own way and, you know, want to take the seat of God and put myself at the center of my life instead of letting God be at the center of my life. I know the stuff that tempts me to, to do that, to sin against God. So what are the practices, the spiritual practices that I can put in place that make me spiritually strong when I'm physically weak? What are the practices? One of the practices for me is to, well, confess my sin to another Mm -hmm. brother, Mm -hmm. or it's just to, to admit if I'm struggling, if I'm having a temptation, if I'm feeling a temptation to, to open up about that and to pray with another brother. Vulnerability is a piece of the puzzle for me too. When I am with the Lord, I can even go through the motions of doing my quiet time and praying and have it all be really neat and tidy. Or I can be vulnerable and be really honest and raw with God about what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. And then we get to this whole other place together, me and the Lord, when I'm really, really vulnerable about it. And I can hear the truth from God's word, and which is another piece of the puzzle because the other way that the enemy tempted Jesus was by saying, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. I mean, he just goes right after Jesus's identity. Now, if you look at chapter three, Jesus had just been baptized and God spoke from heaven. And he said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Just received that confirmation of identity. This is who you are. I love you. My pleasure is for you. Like, I'm so pleased with you. And then the enemy says, if you are the son of God, he just goes right after Jesus's identity. And the enemy's going to lie to you and me about our identity too. He's going to question what God says. You know, God spoke and said, this is my son whom I love. And God spoke in his word to us, his love for us. And the enemy's going to question that in our minds. And maybe you're wondering this morning, Maybe you're questioning, maybe you're doubting. Does God really love me? Does the Father really love me? Am I really in his family? Is God withholding from me something that I really want? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're wrestling with that and just just realize you are, if you've trusted in Jesus, you are Abba's beloved son. You are Abba's beloved daughter, Abba's beloved daughter, in whom he is well pleased and just Stand firm in that. Yeah. So I, I have two takeaways, I think, for us this morning from this scripture. And if you're being tempted right now, if you're if you're just in a season, yeah, whether it's asking those questions or you you feel like, man, I'm so out of my element and I, I feel physically weak in this moment. I think we've got two takeaways. One is just to ask ourselves, what are the practices that I could be a part of that are going to help me to be spiritually strong when I'm physically weak? You know, what is that for you? And make a commitment to get into that. And the second one is it's so important that we know who we are and we find out who we are in God's word. That's where the truth is. That's where we're grounded in our identity as God's children, that he loves us, that he loves us. So 
Let's do what we need to do to be spiritually strong and let's know who we are in Jesus. I don't know about you, but I need to worship Jesus with other believers. I need it more than the air I breathe. It's because I experience oneness with other believers. I experience the Spirit of God actually making us one as we celebrate together the one who's rescued us. It's a real experience of oneness. But then I think it's also the diversity. I watch other believers worship in their own way, and each believer brings out a different hue of the beauty of Jesus. And I love that. Then I need to worship with other believers because I'm reminded how good God is. It's so powerful to come with my troubles and despair and have them overwhelmed by praise. We're reminding each other God is good. God's love lasts forever. And one more thing. I need to worship with Jesus' people because that's the place where heaven meets earth. Sometimes the glory of God is so palpable that I don't ever want to leave. And that's what heaven's going to be like. When Solomon dedicated the temple in Jerusalem, we see all these things in play. Second Chronicles 5, 13, and 14. The trumpeters and singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord. There's the oneness, the unity of God's people. They joined in unison as with one voice. Then it says, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices in praise to the Lord. There's the diversity Mm. of different ones with different gifts expressing their praise to God and revealing a unique hue of God's glory. So the diversity. And then they sang, he is good. His love endures forever. There they are reminding one another of how good God is. No matter what troubles you came with to worship, God is good. His love lasts forever. And then it says, Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. And that's where in worship, heaven actually meets earth. And we recognize that we're the temple of God. Mm. As we gather together corporately, God's spirit comes, heaven comes and fills us and heaven meets earth. And it is a, it is a beautiful thing to worship together because of all these things that happen when we do. Yesterday we went out to lunch after church and then we were over lunch just kind of reflecting on what God had done during the service. And, you know, we were sharing, each of us sharing like what stood out to us or, or, you know, what God spoke to us through the message, um, through the scripture. And a friend was sharing what he was experiencing during the worship set Mm -hmm. specifically. And it was just, what he was going through, he was grieving the loss, a loss and just struggling with that and wrestling with that. And then God was meeting him in such a powerful way while we worshiped. And that's one person in the room. But if you were to go through the room, you know, every single person in the room, God is meeting them in a different way in what they're going through in that moment. And there's, so there's the diversity and the oneness Mm -hmm. all at the same time. It's just amazing. Yeah. And I've, learn to, you know, look around the room and watch other people and, you know, because we can get caught up in our own little worship pod Mm -hmm. 
and it's just me and Jesus. But when we come together, we need to be really aware that it's us and Jesus, us and the Father, us and the Spirit. And so I'm starting to look around more because my son pointed this out that a lot of times, you know, we just, we, we come together and then, then, then it's just, yeah, it's this little worship pod. Mm-hmm. But when we open up and look around, we begin to experience everything that God has for us in worship. And I love the part about heaven meeting earth. Mm-hmm. It just happens. The spirit comes down. Sometimes I feel it. Sometimes I don't. And maybe more often than not, I don't feel a lot of things. But God's presence is real. And sometimes I do experience his palpable presence. And having your eyes open to what's going on around you a little bit, too, can also make you aware of what he's doing in somebody else's life. You know, you can see when someone is feeling the palpable presence of God in their worship, you know, and just it's a faith building in and of itself. Like if you're if it's a particular day where you're like, I do not have the feels going on right now. We see the evidence of the work of God in other believers in the room. Yeah, and God might want us to reach out to somebody that we see is hurting or having a hard time. He may want us to even say, hey, can I pray with you? So I love this passage, Psalm 27.4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.